All right, hey everybody, here we're Garrett and Taylor. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves, tell everybody who you are, what you do. My name is Taylor Snyder. Um, I grew up in Tonytown, Maryland, my whole life for the most part. Um, avid outdoorsman, duck hunter, like to do a little trapping when we can. Um, little deer hunting here and there, but, and lately a whole lot of coon hunting. Yeah, that's why you guys are here. Garrett, why don't you introduce yourself? So I'm Garrett Martin. I'm from Tonytown as well. Uh actually grew up coon hunting with my dad um you know he was big into the competition hunting back in the day we did it for a while my dad sold his dogs my uncle still had dogs we did it till i was probably 11 then everybody sold out of it and haven't done it for a while but i've been into deer hunting i love duck hunting turkey hunting um and i also do taxidermy on the side and here lately we're back into the coon hunting pretty heavy yeah before we jump into all the ins and outs of coon hunting i I just want to touch on the fact that it's it must have eat, ate you up pretty good because you've killed some really good deer. You've killed all kind of waterfowl like over the years, and both of you guys. So it's like must it must be pretty cool if you guys are yeah. ate up with it because like I still love deer and duck hunting. I don't know. Oh yeah, I mean we and we do too. Yeah. You know, especially the duck hunting. I don't think we will ever really get away from that, but we've just been more selective with the hunts we take. You know, we're not doing it every right. every weekend like we used to. We're picking our days and going to nicer, you know, destination spots and doing it. Yeah. That's a uh, funny you say that. Cause I've now, you, you guys know, but like now with kids, I got two kids, you know, and it's especially them being young. I try to get them into the outdoors, but it's, you know, you're playing a game. It's like, is my wife going to be mad if I say I'm going again? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So you're always you know, playing that game and say, nowadays for sure like when i when i got the buck the other day it was like we i saw him sunday morning it was like here's where i came to i was like all right hun tomorrow morning i'm gonna go hunting and then it worked and it was like yeah. thank god because <laughs> how many times have i said this is the morning <laughs> like, <laughs> you can say that all season <laughs> <laughs> right exactly yeah. yeah but anyway so yeah let's get into the coon hunting that's kind of i uh, reached out to taylor because i was like I want to know what this is all about. I gr I've grown up around people who did it. Um, you know, we hunt down the mountains of Virginia. A lot of guys would do it down there. A lot of guys used to run bears until it became illegal, or run dogs for bears until it became illegal in Virginia, West Virginia, or where I hunt at least it is. Yeah. West Virginia is still uh, legal. You can still do it with, you know, people use dogs for so many things. And so what's the, what pulled you from being a duck and deer hunter turkey hunter at you know for the most part and then what pulled you into doing all this coon hunting like as hard as you have yeah so for me really i had a lot of great childhood memories doing it and this is coon hunting with hounds like i think you might have touched on it's not yeah it's not predator calling or you know anything like that it's it's uh the hounds really are the cool factor in it but uh i had last year i had an opportunity from one of my dad's old buddies that he coon hunted with you know since the early 80s um he had a pretty nice female that was going pretty good um she liked to stretch her legs a little bit so she, he was she was a little bit more than he could handle and right. i got the opportunity to buy her and so i jumped on that and when you do when you do have a coon hound it's a lot of work because you got to get them in the woods you can't can't leave them in the kennel for a month and then right yeah they're they're like the type of animal that it's not like a, a golden retriever it's like right you you can take a golden retriever that would love to retrieve and it'll just be fat and lazy on your couch yeah you can't do that with a coon hound like yeah. they need to be worked you know that's what they're there for yeah these coon dogs i mean they're like you say i mean there's 
some people make them a house dog, but they are a high energy dog. You take them to the woods, you don't snap them off the leash, they're gone. They're not really, they don't care what, what you're right. doing. They're going to go do their own thing. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so what's now that you guys have touched on that, let's just go ahead and start with that then. I mean, what's hunting with dogs is, is something that a lot of people got, have gotten out of. It used to be a lot bigger. I feel like, uh, I, I don't know, like one out of every 10 hunters when I was a kid had some sort of rabbit dog or, you know, what, a, even if they had rabbit dogs, they don't even hunt with anymore, but everybody right. had beagles or like yeah. everybody had something, some sort of hunting dog. And I feel like nowadays, unless you are a duck hunter and you have a lab, you know, a chocolate lab or whatever, unless you're that, you don't, you don't have a hunting dog. Most people don't. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the hunting dog probably a lot of people think of. And it's really, yep. it's really a totally different ball game going from labs to the coon dogs. Um, you want to say how your experience with it, how you got into it, hunting with me a little bit, how you got your dog and everything? Oh, yeah. I've only got into it because me and Garrett have been good hunting friends for a while. I mean, we've been hunting together, all doing all kinds of stuff. No matter what we do, we end up doing together for the most part. And he got April, his female. And I don't know. I didn't know nothing about it. I didn't come up in it. I didn't grow up with hunting dogs for the most part. We had some Jack Russell that would treat squirrels all on our own, but that was nothing that we ever trained. And right. next thing you know, we're out there in the woods and you're, you're, you're talking together, listening to dogs. And all of a sudden, that first night out with them, and she's about probably six, seven hundred yards out, and she lets out a big old ball. And then it's just, man, when you're at night and then you hear that. Man, it made my heart race. And dude, ever since then I've been hooked. And now when you're out there and you're you have a little bit of companionship, you're talking a little bit, and all of a sudden it's quiet, and then you just hear dogs light up. Whoo boy. That's we get you going, man. And then especially when they roll over and start treeing somewhere, and next you know you're walking thousand yards, six, seven hundred yards into a tree, and you just get there and you see them eyes up in that tree, man. No yeah. better feeling. So you have a dog yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is it same litter? It's it, it's not right. It would be a different litter. Yeah. No, I I like to get into the genetics on them a lot, but um, there's a real so there's a whole competition world of coon hunting, which we'll probably get into in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But um, there was a a real big dog in the early 2000s, a uh, backwater bone collector, and my dog Sire is Rock Oak Medicine Man. He's a direct son off a of bone collector. Um, his dog's mother is a half sister to my dog out of the same sire. So, oh, okay. so yeah, he's, he's, a uh, a generation behind, but he's, um, my dog's four, his, his dog's just over a year old. Mm-hmm. So they're related. They came from a group of guys that kind of bred the same bloodlines for a while. Right. Yeah. I, okay. I gotcha. So what's the, um, just as an overview How's it? How's a night work for you guys? Are you? Is it? I I would like to know. Like, when you say, "All right, tonight is a night we're gonna go." What is it? Like, is it? Does it? Is it weather dependent? Is it like what is it? Is um, it- nope. If it's dark, we'll go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rain. Yeah, cold. Yeah, honestly, um, scenting conditions are always better when it's uh when there's more moisture, ground moisture, and it's cooler. So in the summertime, it gets tough, but we still get them out there to keep them in shape. But hot, dry days are, or hot, dry nights are are hard for scenting. But I mean, honestly, they'll they'll find one somewhere to tree. I mean, it's not been a night where we didn't tree a coon, you know. What I mean? No, that's the best part about it. It's just uh, it's a success. Like you know, we've talked before. Like, I still love duck hunting, but how many days have we went out? You went out, 
You went two, three hours away. We pulled <laughs> yeah. a boat. You got dozens of decoys. You got money. The worst. Yeah. You get there, nothing. Yeah, you, you just get your, freeze. your boat's froze up. You know, you're froze up. Next Something's time, wrong with the motor. Yeah, and now you're pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happens way too many times. I mean, you, there's definitely highs and lows of coon hunting, but it never it's never an issue really finding game. It's it's more or less the training factor with the dogs right, and yeah. how your dog's figuring things out because they're all different. Um, yeah. And like a, nor a normal night for us, we, we hunt during the week a lot too. We try to get out, you know, three or four nights in a seven day week if we can mm -hmm. just get the dogs tuned up. But if we're hunting during the week, we'll go locally. We got plenty of spots around here locally and we might go just tree one coon and call it a night. But mm -hmm. um, on a weekend, unless we're going to a competition hunt, we might go, we might travel a little bit, go to some bigger public land where you're allowed to run dogs. And we had, we had the one night we hunted till 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. You when got I mean? breakfast. Yeah. You just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it, it so when you say public land, I, I'm just thinking like you mean out like Garrett County and t areas like that or actually so a lot of the public land in Carroll County, the county that we live in, you can't run dogs on. But um there's a place we go that's pretty close is Patuxent. That's Howard County. Mm -hmm. That's a yeah. big that's a I don't even know how many acres that is, it's but it's lot. huge. Yep. And yeah. um like McKee Bestridge, you can run dogs there. And then a lot okay. of stuff in Western Maryland you can run dogs on. But you just got to, I mean, you get on DNR website, it'll tell you if you can run dogs on it or not. Okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. That's uh, when you think, when I think as a kid growing up, when I would think like dog hunters, it, you think about like uh, beagles, rabbits, you think about, yeah. but coon dogs were so like foreign to me. I understand, and like bear dogs too, that, because the breed of what, they are you don't see them or you see people with an overweight beagle running around yeah. the, the house he probably ran away a couple times like chased a squirrel like you you see those type of dogs labs and retrievers and even some spaniels will be around people's houses and they aren't doing what they probably should be doing right. but you don't you don't <clears throat> normally unless somebody had a coon dog or like a bear dog chained up out back and it just bellowed all the time that's all you ever saw of that dog and so as a kid, like, I don't, I didn't really know, but now I do. But like these, those dogs are, uh, they even seem more intricate to me than like a rabbit dog. And I know I, I'm not like shitting on rabbit dogs, but I'm right, saying yeah. like, <laughs> they seem, they're like, it's serious, like about bear dogs and like coon dogs. That is super serious. Yeah. Yeah. So actually you bring that up, bear, bear dogs, lion dogs, hog dogs, coon dogs, a lot of times they're all using the same breed. There's uh there's seven different breeds of coon hounds. But like you say, there's there's a cool factor to them. I mean, they're big dogs, they're yeah. loud. I mean, it's just exciting to be out in the woods with them. Yeah, and it's not uh you know, especially with bears, like and not black bears. It it sounds dumb, but like a black bear is not gonna do anything. But if you're in a position with that dog versus like you're out with beagles and say, look at my cute beagles. You're out with that thing. It's like, yeah. nothing's going to try to attack me because they got to get through these dogs. Like, right. And most of those dogs are jacked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what they live for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So with coon hunting, um, and you had, you had touched on it earlier, like getting into, so let's go ahead and get into that. Then what, what is, what makes a dog breed? Like for, for you guys, like what is the breed you're looking for? What what distinct traits are you looking for for running coons or bears or whatever? Yeah, so we both run um, tree and walker coon hounds. Okay. 
And they have been bred throughout the years to be more of a competition-style dog. They're, they're fast dogs. They can drift a track a little bit. So what that means basically is they're not nose to the ground smelling every single step that Coon took. They're cutting corners. They're taking that scent through the air a lot of times without even having their nose to the ground. And they're fast on the track. So usually winds up with shorter tracks and they get treated right, quicker, yeah. which is an advantage to you competition hunting. But um, sometimes if you get an old cold track, you know, they, they'll grind it out too, just like uh, some of the older coonhound breeds and some of the older breeding uh, does. But w- really, I mean, it's hard to get a top-notch coon dog. And so a lot of times we're just, we're looking for a dog <laughs> that wants to hunt on its own. You know, it wants to be out there. Um, you know, it's not one to hang around you. Um, accuracy is important. You know, if they're just treeing a bunch of slick trees and there's no coons up there, then that's not doing you much good. Right. Maybe a tree that a coon ran past, but they're like, they that's, go nuts on a tree and you're like, yeah, oh, there's nothing and that's a cool, that's a cool part of it is those dogs can figure it out. I mean, cause I mean, if you've been deer hunting and you watch coons in the woods, they don't just walk a straight line through the, on the ground. You know, they're up this tree, down this tree, around a bush, under a log. Yeah. And these dogs figure it out. And, you know, you know, there's a, there's a lot to it that I don't understand. Probably a lot of people don't understand, but they wind up parked under the tree he's sitting in. You know what I mean? Is it, so it's an intelligence factor. Like you're, you're almost probably, not, not probably more, but at least 50, 50 is, physical and then 50 percent, maybe 60 percent, is like mental like they have to they have to be mentally they have to be bred to be smart so oh, yeah they understand yeah it's good you brought that up too that's a big difference i've noticed i trained i've trained two labs are uh, already for duck hunting and they both turned out to be adequate you know they would go retrieve my ducks when i shot them i never did any field trials or anything like that but um Lab training is a lot more of what we train them to do, you know, with the retriever and things like that. Whereas right. coon dogs, you're relying on the genetics. You're relying on the breeding because there's not, you know, if a dog doesn't know how to treat coons, you're not going to teach it to do it. It's got to be something the dog knows. You really, I mean, we got some pups that we're starting now and, you know, we're just going to get them in the woods and wait, wait till they figure it out. You know? Right. Yeah. That's it's, you bring that up. It's funny. Cause that's, that's how I see a lot of, and I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not crapping on anybody, but l- like a lot of people got into duck hunting very recently. And, um, I've never, I'm not a dog guy because I got years ago, I hunted with a guy who had dogs and he did a terrible job. Maybe he didn't do it. Ter- I don't know, but he's, his dogs always, like all of his dogs would be bad. Like they would, they jumped the blind before the geese were there. They'd, they all like everything. They would freak out in the blind for no reason. Like nobody knew. Yeah. And so I kind of got pushed away from dogs, but I got no problem with people wanting to use dogs, but uh, there's so many people doing it now. It seems like, eh, like everybody's getting a lab and everybody wants to work a lab. And you're right. It's almost like people go on YouTube, watch what to do, train the, train the, the dog. And then they, but if you like, Kelly, so Kelly, see, old like, yeah, Ke- Kelly's, I know, I know Kelly. So Kelly's yeah. a, a good friend, and he's showed me a lot. And you go over, you go over to his house, there's all these dogs, but then there's like in the back, in that huge fenced area, is these dogs just bellowing back there, and it's like those dogs are like 
their breed means more than these other dogs. These other dogs are great dogs, but that those dogs breed like their shoulders are jacked and they're like, yeah. they're tall as shit. And you're like, these, yeah. these dogs are like built for it. Like you, you can, you can tell, you know, are, it's bro. wild. Yeah. <laughs> and like the, just the, their genetics makes a big deal just because of their instincts. I mean, you, a lab, like he was saying, I have, I have trained to myself. One's pretty much a house dog now. The other one just, we just haven't had a lot of ducks to get them on. He does a good job when he goes out. We just haven't shot many, but a lot of that's just, a lot more labs work out than a coonhound. You, you can go through a lot more coonhound puppies trying to find the right genetics, whereas a lot of labs, most labs are going to chase a bumper. They're going to want to swim. They're going to go out there. Yeah, yeah. But then when you get these coonhounds, it's so many different variables. You could have a dog that blows out because 1,000 yards away from you. He's treeing trash or slick treeing all the time. He ain't doing nothing for you. You have a dog that could be the most accurate dog in the world. And then it doesn't go out. It doesn't have the fire. They get out in there and go into the tree or. Right. It's, it's behind the group or whatever. It, yeah. It's just right. so many little variables that makes these dogs good. I mean, uh, you when you see a, a real good grand night or night champion dog or competition dog, I mean, it's crazy. All the things they have to put together. Speed. They got to have that. They have, right. to have a good nose for a hot track. When they also, if they start running out of things, they got to have a nose for a cold track. Or you're going to have a dog that's mm-hmm. going to miss a bunch of things they maybe could score on whereas some dogs are going to hit all the hot tracks some dogs will blow out thousand yards go past four or five coons but they're hitting that that freshest track it's just crazy how they're all different and i've only gotten into it not too long ago a little over what about two years now i haven't had my own dog a year but it's crazy seeing how different dogs hunt which dogs strike first which dogs how, how quick some dogs will tree how quick some or how sometimes slow dogs will tree um, it's, it's just so many different things. And that's all there is. I mean, I can see why it's so hard to find the right genetics and, and trying to put it all together with a coonhound. Whereas I say a lab again, you could put moderate time in and have a good dog. that's going to be. Yeah. Dogs. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, like I said, it's a lot of just putting them out there, putting them in the right situation, waiting them for, waiting for them to do it. I mean, Taylor can tell you a little bit about how frustrating it can be to start a dog, but you really just got to have the patience and see it through I mean, you're seeing huge improvements in your dog now. Oh. When you got him, he was already lightly started, but mm. you know, it's it's not a steady transition up. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's out of all the traits, is it it's mental? It's it's having the ability to like out of all the traits, is that what it is? Is it like yeah. having the brain to do it? The like dog's that, gotta have the brains yeah. and the drive to do it because you're not gonna put that into them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. walk your dog out. And you can get them out there and get them, get the muscle on them. You feed them good food. You get, you put the models on them. They'll, they'll build muscle. But most of your dogs will have the physical part. But that right. doesn't matter at all if your dog doesn't want to hunt. I almost feel like if you, even if like you had a dog that was a tad slower or it took him a little bit more time to, as, as long as you had a dog that did it, you know oh, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like that, you would have to have the brain and you'd have to get the, the drive to go find them, obviously. But yeah, physicality, it seems like, eh, my dog's a little bit smaller, but watch this. Yeah. <laughs> G- give her an extra five minutes. She'll find, like, she'll right. fight it out. We just, I just got pups off my female back in um, the end of July. And I hunted her, I hunted her all the way up to the beginning of July. And she was huge. She was fat. I mean, you know, <laughs> she was full of puppies. Uh, so she did not have the physical part. You know what I mean? She got tired quick, but. Even still, you know, she's going to go out and true coon. It's just an instinct, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So you guys, you talked about like competition dogs, like what is, or Grand Knight or uh, the Ku Klux Klan names, like whatever, <laughs> like what, what is, what is it? Like what, what is that all about? Like, yeah, so on the most basic level, um, which is what Taylor and I are doing right now, um, UKC, United Kennel Club, it's a breed registry. Um, they don't just register coon dogs. They register just about anything. Right. Um, they do lab stuff, bird dog stuff. But um, they have night hunts, UKC sanctioned night hunts, which there's clubs. UKC has a website. You can find a club near you. Um, it'll give you a schedule of events when they're having a hunt. Um, and really what that is, it, on a UKC hunt, it's, um, it's broken down into a four-dog cast. At most, it could be a, it could be smaller than that if you don't have enough dogs to fill it. Um, and four dogs will hunt head to head, and you'll keep score. And the dog with the most points wins. Right. Um, you're getting your points by the strike. So the first dog to strike is getting a hundred points. The second dog strikes getting seventy five. Third dog fifty. Fourth dog twenty five. There's only one set of strike points. So, and and striking your dog is is when they bark initially on a track. And as a handler, it'd be your job to tell a judge when to strike your dog. And that's when your points will be put on the card. Um, you'll be listening. Sometimes you're listening to four dogs and you got to know which one's yours. You got to, right. you know, be familiar with your dog. Uh, when your dog trees, you'll declare them treed. Um, first position for tree points is 125, then 75, 50, 25. Um, there's, a, there's a ton of rules. I mean, I could... On yeah, a broad right, level, right. you tree your dog, your dog's got a tree for three minutes, then you can go score the tree. Um, when you get to the tree, uh, you have eight minutes to shine it, and you know the rest of the cast will be with you so they can help. You can have them help you if you want. The judge is there. Uh, you got to find the coon, so the judge has to see the coon. Um, and that's the only way you're going to get those points plus. Oh, so the judge is like with you in the woods. Yeah, a lot of times it'll be a hunting judge. So one of the four hunters will be elected a judge. Okay. Um, a lot of things are left to the, a cast vote. So there's really no way that, you know, a judge is going to be able to play favorites to his dog, you know, so it works out. But uh, yeah, if you find your coon in the tree, then it's all well and good. You get, you know, if you struck first, you're getting 100 points there. If you treat first, you're getting 125. You got 225 plus points and you're looking good if you can't find the coon um just say it's a den tree it's got a big hole in it uh you can get those points circled so they really don't help you and they don't hurt you either um but if the cast decides that it's a slick tree there's no coon and they don't see anywhere the coon could be then all those points are minus uh there's a lot of other things you can do to get minus there's a lot of other things you can do to get points but um that's basically how it works you'll have a Usually you have a 90-minute hunt. Sometimes it's a two-hour hunt. Sometimes it's a one-hour hunt, depending on what the club um, sets up for that for that hunt. But, yeah, dog with the highest score at the end is the cast winner. And as he mentioned earlier, night champion, uh, you need five, five cast wins to be a night champion. Once you make night champion, you hunt only with night champions. You're in a different class. And you need eight cast wins there to be a grand night champion. And that's as high as you go on UKC. Um, they do have what's called the Tournament of Champions. If you get five cast wins in a year, you can go hunt that. And the grand prize for that's $50,000. So, you know, that's that's high-level UKC stuff. 
Um, there's another registry, <laughs> PKC, and they're all money hunts. They don't do the dog titles. Well, they do have dog titles, but it's based on money earned by the dog. Right. And then the newest, the newest thing out there now is is uh, Pro Sport. And they have $100,000 hunts all the time. They have truck hunts where you're winning a brand new truck. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. And what's cool is UKC has started to televise a lot of this where you got like professional filming in the field. It's like you're sitting on your couch watching football, except you're watching coon hunting. I mean, it's like a professional sport. So, so like this, you bring this up. It's like in my head, because I, where I hunt in, in Virginia down the mountains and like, I'm thinking of like these bear guys with all these dogs that are just like hillbillies that like they do this because this is what they do. Not yeah. because like it's a competition or like they're looking for money. These guys don't have money, but they their dogs are their life. Like that's what they do. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because now it's that big. And when I was a kid, I feel like it was just like. Them dogs back. We're gonna get out of here and run this hedgerow. Like that's just well, what it was. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why it's we do wild. it because we love to do it. But it's cool that there's this like professional sports aspect yeah. to it too. And, yeah, for sure, for you sure. Know, if you got a dog that can make the cut, then it's great. Yeah. I mean, I hunt a lot of these like local level UKC hunts, and I've won one. I've gotten really close to winning a lot of times. A bunch of them. I don't have a dog that I can go hunt the hundred thousand dollar hunt yeah. with. You know, not a chance. But not saying it won't ever happen. You just never know. I mean, one of these puppies could turn into a world beater. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, like I said, my dog, he's still young. And he's still coming on. I mean, who knows what he's going to do. He's a, he's a fairly square away dog. I mean, he's got his quirks. I worked through a lot of stuff. I said, I got him from a guy. He, I took him over from a guy that Garrett's hunted with. And um, he had a dog. He has his brother. He's still running himself. But it was just too much. How old's Billy? 80s? Billy's in his 80s, and he still gets out there and does it. He gets out it's there impressive. and puts miles on them legs, man. He's yeah. out there and hunts. and But he couldn't handle two dogs, and his son had passed away. So it was – Garrett had said something about me being like wanting to get a dog because I was hell-bent on getting me a coon dog, whether it was going to be a star dog or a puppy. And he – Garrett said, hey, I talked to this guy. He wants to maybe – if you'd hunt him, he wants to turn his dog over to you. Right. Well, that's what happened. And he definitely that's, had, that's cool. He had his rough points. I mean, don't me wrong. He started out decent. He's, he already had a lot of good things under his belt. Like he was a very accurate dog. He he definitely wasn't the fastest dog. He wasn't going to go out thousand yards and hunt all the time either. But he's coming on now. But I don't know what he's going to do yet. He could very well. I haven't even been to an actual competition hunt with him yet. I mean, I'm waiting on paperwork and stuff to go do that. But that's a whole other story. Do you yeah. got so th this being something that most people don't even know about let alone like hunt is this something that like when you guys go to these competitions or when like in this area are there just not that many young people doing it, is it no when we go to a typical because you guys might have this thing locked up in 20 years you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna win all of them <laughs> there's more guys doing it than than you realize and and because it's not super common people will drive a long ways to go to a hunt um we luckily we have a club in just on the other side of Union Bridge. Um, now they only have three hunts a year, but that's close to home for me. So I actually guide for that club when we have hunts there. But you'll have people coming from two, three hours away sometimes. But you're typically looking at, you know, if you had ten dogs show up, that would be a good turnout. That's a good hunt, really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's in terms of clubs or in terms of places you would go to do a competition like? What what are the big ones? Like what are the big um 
the big turnouts? Is it like 50 dogs? Would it be like 20 dogs? Is it? Yeah, some of the some of the high level stuff like the UKC World Hunt and, and the Tournament of Champions. Some of the some of those hunts, you're you're probably looking close to a hundred dogs. Maybe. Oh wow! But I mean, that's people from all over the country yeah. are coming to those hunts, right? But yeah, as far as your local level, it's it's usually not a lot. I mean, sometimes you know you might only have five or six dogs show up. Yep. and it's a lot of times you hunt with the same guys all the time just because there's not that many people doing it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's another thing is I could imagine that uh, knowing that when you see signs for like puppies for sale, it's never good. You know? yeah. Like it's like <laughs> I'd imagine that people feed off the same lots a, a lot. Like it's a right. it's a lot of the same. Yeah, thing, you know, I have this breed. You have the sister of that one. You have the cousin of that one. And it's like yeah, you're kind of probably not going to pull a pull a champion out of a you know off of Facebook. I mean, people do sell good dogs on Facebook, but. Yeah, it's it's not just any coon dog that's gonna is gonna be a good one. Yeah, I I want to say it was on one of the meter leaders I listened to that was like, uh, it might have been the bear grease. He had the guy that did the lion guiding on there, and I can't remember his name, but he was down in like Arizona, and their dogs were like like the cream of the crop lion dogs. Yeah, and those like those dogs were sought after all over the U.S. And it's like, oh, so it's like. This one breed was what everybody wanted. They wanted the litters of, you know, every offspring of those dogs because those were the the cream of the crop. And it seems like that might be a lot of what, because uh, lab like duck hunters like you're like, hey, there's, there's someone with a chocolate lab for sale down the street. Like I've, I've I don't know. Two, like I said, I trained two chocolate labs. <laughs> I never once looked at the pedigree. Yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, with the coon dogs, it is a lot like that. I mean, and you'll see like. When a new world champion wins and it's a male, he's probably going to get bred to a lot. Oh, yeah. That doesn't mean he's going to be a reproducer. Sometimes, sometimes the you know you have a fantastic coon dog and he just won't reproduce. I mean, I mean he will reproduce puppies, but those puppies don't amount. They're, to they're nothing, right? Right. But when you have a good reproducer, like um, the stud I just bred my female to, um, he's another buddy of ours. He lives down in Southern Maryland. Um, he is a grandson off of a dog named House's Lipper, who was alive in the 80s. And people have collected semen off of him. Um, that's So this dog's father was out of Lipper semen. Um, and he was like, I don't know, he's probably one of the most infamous coon dogs of all time. If you look on his um, UKC pedigree, he's got over 5,000 puppies. It's House of Lipper. House houses. So the guy's last name's House. Yep. Joe House um, was the one who bred him. Uh, so Houses Lipper. Dog's name's Lipper. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Tom uh, Tom Hopkins is the guy who really made him famous, though. He's the one who who had him. He's down in Texas, but you'll find Lipper dogs all over the country now. Um, but yeah, I mean. That's kind of how it goes when when people find a dog that's reproducing something popular. I mean, they get bred a bunch, yep. and and there's other, good for them. There, yeah, <laughs> there's other lines that yeah. uh, that are great too. You know, it's not just I say Lipper. You know, that's something I've liked. Something my dad always liked, um, and it's cool because that dog was in the hunts in the '80s when my dad was doing it, and here we are still hunting dogs out of that bloodline right yeah yeah that is nuts yeah that the 
the how deep that all goes is is wild to me and yeah. i i think that's what makes it more i know i, I don't think that there's any romanticism with it used to be to me that people with like labs and th- it was like cool now it's like eh, everybody has one but it's like romantic like that's what's romantic about coon hunting or is like to me or bear hunting is it so i think bear hunting a lot because big big mountain like yeah. guys who let dogs out of the back of a truck with gps collars and still on the tailgate and you hear them a half mile away like that is wild to well, me like I tell you, that's coon dogs too yep we do the same thing really? we, got, we got the gps collars actually most people i know now um they have the gps collars and we'll just you know sometimes sometimes they'll be a mile or or I don't know. I mean, I've seen her three miles away before and, and, you know, we'll be on the Garmin just looking, uh, you know, looking at what the dogs are doing. And, uh, sometimes they get out of hearing, we'll try to cover some distance, but it, it's a lot of like what you say, you know, and the, and the bear dogs guys, they have that a lot more. A lot of them have the GPS screens in their trucks and they're driving around and they're running a whole pack of dogs, oh, but, yeah. uh, it's cool. Just, you know, cut the dogs loose and you, you chill out and you talk to your buddies and you're just listening for one to strike off in the distance. And, yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, is it like, does food play a large factor in dog, pro- like the way a dog produces or the way a dog grows? Cause that's an art. Like, I, I don't know. Like we have house dogs. We feed our dogs. What cheese out of the fridge. I don't know. What, whatever, <laughs> whatever's around. Like, I don't care. Yeah. But because they're house dogs, what are they gonna do? Like shit on my carpet, whatever. <laughs> like, it, like to me, it's like I feel like coon dogs are like that's serious. Like yeah. these breeds <laughs> yeah. are like you need to eat this label that's on this bag has to be what you eat. Like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like that. I, I can remember when I first bought this this female. Um, I. I do usually I do all my deer butcher myself and I'll have a scrap bucket going and I feed my lab that stuff and I'm okay. like talking to my dad. I was like, I'm not I'm not gonna feed any of this to my coon dog because you know, next thing I know she'll be out there running deer. She'll be smelling deer. My dad's yeah. like, You're you're stupid. <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works. Not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, food food is important. I mean, oh. you you would be going talk about food and oh. talk about what we look for in a dog food. But we definitely you, you price is always a factor, especially when you have a few dogs. Like I have a lab outside, I have a my walker outside, and I'm soon to have this puppy outside. They eat a lot. I mean, they have high metabolisms, they're they're high energy you can give a dog any food and he might not he's not going to die but that dog also is not going to produce energy as well as a dog that's getting a good well-rounded food i mean we're looking at higher fats higher proteins i feed a 30 20 you don't need probably need that but i like having that excess in the calories because if we're going to hunt them three four nights a week they'll burn they, it up it's good yeah. to know they have it yeah, yeah, yeah. and our our dogs are not i mean well, april was she coming off having pregnancy but our dogs aren't fat no our dogs are in shape they're athletes that's how you could pretty much pertain it to and they only you know you see an athlete some guy that's low body fat high muscle they're eating good food they're not going out and yeah, McDonald's right, all right. the time they're not and that's the one thing with food we've noticed like I'm not going to put any brands under the bus but some brands we have you're not on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but Kieran is like whatever <laughs> you're not gonna like we've had food that's like I used to feed a food that was a local brand and it was 30 20 but you could tell the difference like I was feeding the dog four cups of food twice a day to get the same I'm getting out now a three and the food itself you're getting a 40 pound bag but the bag is taller because the food's not as dense 
like the food I'm feeding now, I, I really do like. I mean, and we do. Yeah, it's I mean, heavy. He, he does a really good job. Like he's he's really good at doing research and stuff like that. He literally sent me the other day. He sent me a whole spreadsheet of do- of dog food for price, right? For calories right, yeah. per cup, the the fat and protein content. Like, what, the, what's your price per cup? <laughs> I don't even eat, like, I don't even eat, like, like I do, but like, I, I offhand can be like, yeah, that's lettuce and that's full yeah, of sugar. Yeah. Like, for dogs, you look at dogs and you're like, yeah. this, this one's brown <laughs> and this one's brown and then this yeah. one's brownish red. I'm, like myself, I'm, just in the, I'm just in the fridge grabbing whatever. Yeah, my, right, my yeah. dog, I'm like, all right, oh, pickles. I'm yeah. going to take eight brands of dog food. I'm going to break them all down, <laughs> figure out price per pound, protein per pound, fat per pound, calories per cup, <laughs> and then I'm going to decide what is my feeder. Yeah. <laughs> what do we eat on the way to a hunt? Let's stop at sheets or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. We're giving our dog to like, you know, again, price, you could definitely pay more for, you could pay a lot of money for dog food. You could. There's some great brands out there. There is. That's, but, that's why I was wondering, like, is it something that you got to really divest a lot of money into? It's, this isn't a cheap sport. I mean, you can do it cheap, but to do it, in my opinion, I won't say the right way, because you can do it any way you want, but like the GPS okay. collars are expensive. The... Um, the dog food. I mean, I'm feeding a lot of dog food, forty some dollars a pop, a bag. Right. Probably. Yeah. And um, the dog itself. If you have to buy the dog, I got lucky with that. But equipment, dog boxes, leashes, upkeep. You know, you got to make sure your dogs have all the proper medical health. Like, you're not buying a twenty dollar Purina, but <laughs> no, from Walmart, the green bag, baby. I look at that. I'm like. Sh- that to the dog. Yeah, for, for most dogs, it's fine. Yeah. Like for my dog that lays on the couch yeah, all day, yeah, he's yeah. good. I mean, we're feeding the the their energy is coming from from fat, so we're feeding the highest fat dog food we can find. And and these dogs are just straight lean muscle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not fat, but that's their energy source. And high protein is good too. I mean, that's their recovery. If you're hunting your dog a lot, they need a lot of protein for recovery. Um, but that being said, I mean, we definitely don't buy the most expensive stuff out mm-hmm. there. Right. Okay. Some of it's just brand too. I mean, it's like start, Nike versus Adidas. Yeah, and all that you brand. get some of the brands like your Purina like foods. You're going to spend more money compared to like, I mean, we definitely. I would say you. We both feed the same food to a point. Throw them out there. Throw them a plug. <laughs> I'll plug Vector. Will you sponsor me, please? That's not even <laughs> the food I was talking right, about. <laughs> but no, Diamond. That's right. Yeah, we, we're feeding Diamond dog. Either way, somebody sponsor me. I don't care if it's Victor or Diamond Purina. Yeah. I could take some dog food. <laughs> but no. uh yeah, it's we feed diamond dog food. He feed you feed the higher energy. I feed the higher energy. And I feed the um I feed the performance, which is thirty twenty, but Yeah, high energy is uh twenty four twenty. So it's still got the twenty percent fat, but it's twenty four uh percent protein. So for me, I have a four year old dog. She's not she doesn't need the protein that his one year old dog needs. Oh, okay, I get you. Yeah, he's still building you. muscle, he's still you know, he's still developing. So the dog food, you know, it, it makes a difference for him where he's needing a little extra protein compared to whereas an adult, you know, adult that's already done growing, done developing. And you can still throw muscle in a dog or get fat off a dog, but he's still developing. He's about done now, but he's still going to put muscle on and, and get hunted up. And But yeah, the, the, the answer your question is short. Yes, dog food makes a big part, in my opinion, on a dog. I feel, I feel terrible, actually. I said, like I joked about it, but I do sometimes feel terrible feeding my dogs the same thing over and over because I'm like, I bet this isn't great. And there's probably something you'd even like better than this. But my wallet doesn't like it better than this. (laughs) Most dogs out there, you're going to be fine eating what you got. Right, right. And honestly, like, there's a lot of guys that run coon dogs on cheap dog food. You just got to feed more of it. You know what I mean? So if you look at Just for energy's sake. Carbohydrates. Just weight on the dog. Because you'll see a dog. I mean, if you're hunting a dog hard, 
sometimes it can be hard to keep fat on them. Yeah. I mean, I ran into that last December, January when it was cold and I was running her and it was like, I would feed her all she wanted to eat. And she was still, she looked, honestly, she looked fine. But, you know, a lot of people would say she was skinny, but a lot of people's dogs are overweight. You know, I think I mean? a lot of people would say if they looked at our dogs, they a lot of people are overweight too. So yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people would look at our, like, I've heard this already as well. I mean, you're looking at a coonhound. You don't want to see a big belly. You want to be able to see the last two ribs on the rib cage. Yeah. You, you want them to be lean. You don't want them to be fat. And yeah, I think that's what it, I, I that would that's if I close my eyes and picture it, that's kind of what I expect is sleek. Like it's the the rib cage from the front shoulder blade back. Everything's tight, like real tight. Yep. Tight. Yeah, muscular. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it, and it makes a difference because we saw coming off these puppies. Of course, my dog was overweight, which, you know, she needed the fat for the puppies and stuff like that. But, I mean, she would get tired. After one tree, she'd be oh, yeah. worn out. 300 yards. I mean, she got 300 yards. Yeah, 300 yards, and she'd be about done. And now, you know, she's tuned up. She's back in shape. She's yeah. pushing out there six, seven, eight hundred yards like she should be. And, uh, you know, keeps at it. You know, we can hunt her all night. Yeah, it makes me wonder what I could be if I wasn't such a loser and ate all that cheese out of the fridge. We all could be in shape. <laughs> we, we all like cheese and beer. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, yeah. The, the, so that being said, with everything about the dogs, we kind of understand the dog aspect now. So when you guys tree, when you guys are out hunting, uh, obviously you're sitting back, you let the dogs run. And then when they're treed, when you go, when you're head of the tree, like what's, what's happening? Are you guys getting to the tree? You're checking for a coon. And then if there's a coon, what are you doing? Are you, are you guys killing it? Or are you just treeing it? Like what, what is that really depends. I mean, we're during kill season, which is in right now. I mean, yeah, we shoot, you'd like to shoot out at least one or so to your dog at night, but you also don't want to burn your spots out. We went through that ourselves. Cause where I live, I can turn my dog loose right behind the house. But before I had my own dog, we brought April over there. We run there once a week. And we'd shoot a coon, at least one out. And then I learned when I got my dog in there, I was like, man, this is pretty slim pickings in here. So now I kind of. It's tempting to want to shoot every yeah. coon they tree. But, uh, and, and we do have permissions on some property where that's what the landowner wants. Yes. The landowner is letting us coon up because they want to get rid of coons. And that's fine. When we go in there, we'll shoot all the coons. Every tree. Right. But a lot of our other spots, we try to maintain. I usually will only try to shoot one out to her at night. Now my tree. You know, my tree half a dozen, but I'm only going to shoot one. Um, you know, we had a double last night, two coons in a tree. We're only going to shoot one. Yeah. I mean, the one tree we were literally in, I mean, there was two in that. And then the we're assuming is the mother was in the tree or all across from that. Yeah. So yeah, there's four coons sitting right around that yeah. spot right there. So if you don't want to shoot, again, that's <laughs> sounds funny. We're managing coons, but we're trying to because when you get these dogs out, it's easy to burn your spots out. You get a couple of really good dogs that yeah. are out there hunting hard. Right. You treat five six at night on a long nice long night and next thing you know you're you're out of coons. yeah you, you start having too much fun and then they're gone yeah <laughs> yeah yep. i wish i had more land here because I, I i have this family group of coons here and you guys would immediately be off my property like i'm sure <laughs> that I mean they might be here but i only own four acres but like this group of coons are like during the summertime last year i put out corn in like july to see what was around and um in terms of deer and every night it was like six to eight coons would be here gorging themselves they were fat they were yep. huge and they were just gorging themselves i'm like 
you Gettysburg animals. Like they do, yeah. they don't realize how good they got it because they're like battlefield or nobody coon hunts around here. So they're just hanging out. Everything's cool. Okay, and, I, and I'm like, man, I just want them gone. And then the other night, you guys would know better than anybody else. I don't know if they would do this, but I don't know who else to ask. So there were two bags of trash my wife had set. Actually, Sunday night, my wife had set them in the dark outside the door, not in a can. So normally I would put them in my junk clear trailer and I would take them to the dump whenever I went. Instead, I left them there. I'm like, ah, I'll, get them. I'll get them tomorrow morning. Well, the next morning, the morning I killed that buck, I walked outside and I'm I'm kind of cutting it close. I know I'm hunting off the ground, so I'm like, I'm going to slip right in. But I'm kind of cutting it close to daylight anyway. And one of the bags, I'm still kind of tired. And one of the bags is strewn across the driveway. And I'm like, they had moved it like 10 feet. And then it was strewn across the driveway. And I thought, oh, the raccoons got it. So I cleaned it all up in the dark. And then it's, it's kind of getting late. And I'm like, got to go. So I clean it all up, throw it in the back of my truck. I go, I go hunting. When I'm coming back in after I shot that deer, I'm letting him lay and I like, I'm walking back in and I'm like, man, what's white over there in the woods? It was a full size kitchen bag. And we have had bears here, but this isn't the time of year that bears would be here. I don't, not normally, normally the males, when they split the young males, it's early, it's early in the spring, like mid spring. And I'm, I look out like they, they had to drag it. (laughs) Like, 20 yards and then turn left into the woods. Actually, like from where we're sitting to the right over there. And my house is behind it. They drug it up into my yard around my dad's boat and drug it back in the woods. And I could see it back there. So it was like a good, like 30 to 40 yards maybe. And I'm like, would a, would a group of raccoons drug this whole bag of trash over there and like opened it? Cause I was, because they're big. The ones here are big. They're fat. They're yeah. big. Like they are, huge. They're tough animals. They're very man. tough. A lot of people don't realize that. They're a tough part. I shot one trapped with my pistol in my neighbor's chicken coop. It was they kept reaching their hands underneath and grabbing the chicken feet. Oh yeah. And so my neighbor Tanner here put a trap out, stuck its hand in it, boom, was caught, had its other hand still underneath the chicken coop and was trying to grab food still. I walked out and shot that thing twice with my thirty eight. And an hour later, walked out. It was still alive. I was like, oh. <laughs> what? Like, I, I like center punched the torso. Like, boom, boom. Walked back in the house, came back out. It was still alive. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this thing is wicked. It is. How yeah. many times do you you think that you had, or no, you do it. Sometimes you headshot a coon and you're like, Psh, roll him out. And next thing you know, there's a fight on the ground. Yep. <laughs> Numerous times. Yeah, and the dogs and the coon are going at it. Yeah. And they're just tough, dude. They're tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've had crazy. numerous ones. We've both seen it. I mean, you've seen a 22. I've seen a 22 sit on the outside of the skull. Yep. I've like seen it didn't, it yep. didn't break through. You know what I mean? Yep. Huh. So what do you guys do with them? I mean, what what is the go-to? Like, when you do harvest one, what are you doing with that? Like me, I would just throw it in a ditch. <laughs> but, like, what are you guys doing? So I like to eat them, actually. I know you made that. Uh, is that is that what you made? No, that was beaver. That that was good. It's beaver. not as good as beaver. <laughs> that beaver was really good. I ain't gonna lie. But honestly, they do taste good. Now, like I understand, you can't eat them all, and the hides, 
Not Some really. hides still sell, but coon hides, not really. No, not no, really. they're super cheap too. So, like, what do you got? You got to put in all that. You'd be work lucky then, to find yeah. a buyer, yes. right? Yeah, and dog training. Yeah, dog training. yeah, dog training. And I mean, I'm stitch them together, make a blanket. Well, actually, I had a plan <laughs> to do that. I saved, I saved a bunch of coon hides. They're in my freezer, and I still might do it. But I want to make a comforter for my bed, and my wife's already on board with it, so. Just a matter of time at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I imagine like there's a fire. You're laying like butt naked. You're like, yeah. you're like laying across the bed on a on a coon blanket. Yep. <laughs> that would be a painting from the year 1600. I saw. Yeah. I mean, that thing's gonna be warm. I'm surely not gonna be wearing clothes under that. Yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. But yeah, you don't you don't have to feel bad for saying like because me, I'd be like in the woods. Like, yeah, and, and one less turkey killer. Right, and Maryland doesn't have a, a wanton waste. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Well, when it comes to a large rodent, it's not. I mean, I don't know what they're considered. Are they no, rodent? I'm pretty sure they don't. Just they're not. Rodents. They're not rodents. They're not. Rodents. Um, yeah. But no, it actually is laid out that there's no wanton waste. So yeah. you you can just discard them. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Most of people that are going to shoot with a coon in a trap, they're in their trash or their the chicken coop. That coon's getting thrown away. Right, right. But yeah, we we keep more. I mean, I've never eaten one, but I, everything I've ever thought was different and tried that Garrett's made. It's always been good. So I was like, next time you make one, I'm going to try some of this. So it's, it's funny we're talking about this right now. I actually just, we shot a big sow coon last week. Um, and I just got her all trimmed up, put a, put a rub on it. I'm taking it to work tomorrow. We got a, we got a pit boss smoker at, at the jail and I'm going to smoke that thing at work a couple, for a couple guys there. So. <laughs> do they, do they stink when you cook them? No, no, mm-hmm. they don't stink on the inside at all you know i mean it's um um it's a it's a dark meat it's uh i mean i don't want to compare it to beef because it's it's not really but it's not far off i felt like the beaver was very beefy it's not far off from the beaver right yeah 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 that was really good for anybody who's never eaten beaver that was fantastic yeah after i ate it i was like i would eat that every every week (laughs) that's my favorite that's my favorite uh wild game for sure me as well i mean you make that it's the best pot roast or anything you make with it you think beef's good you slow cook it you put some beaver in there yeah and the the coons you do have to um you got to cook them to you know 165 or whatever yeah then we did find out, I don't know if it's best practice, but we did find out the other night you could freeze one and in theory maybe cook, but I probably yeah. would still wouldn't take the chance. I'd roll the dice. I'm just eh, I'm well, what do you mean? Like like clean them, f- package them and freeze, freeze them, them and then So I always like to put them in the freezer. I don't know what exactly I'm doing, but it makes me feel better about it. Because you like get that cold. In the freezer. Right. That way they're getting frozen and then they're getting And the then heat, heat cooked. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And honestly, I do that with most of my wild game anyways because, you know, a lot of times, you know, I feel like it's always better if you give it some time. You know, oh, like my deer, I'm not going to cook a deer steak off of deer I shot that day. Some no. people do. I don't. Oh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we, we, we do. We do. It, well, we let a lot of ours hang as well. If it's like 30 oh, yeah, degrees, yeah, 25 so. degrees out, we just let them hang. Yep. But almost like beef, they do it with beef too. It kind of gives it time to break down. Oh, any age, any age, it's better yeah. age like that. I mean, I had one, I had a deer I hung for a month by accident because it froze in the garage and didn't thaw out for over a month. Best deer I've ever harvested. I mean, meat's pretty red, like yeah. reddish purple. I mean, it's oh, yeah, you get, you get that purple on the outside. Exactly. I wonder if, um, I've always wondered this because, uh, like the last couple of years, probably three, four, not always wondered this, like three, four years ago, I was 
I saw that they would like dry age steaks, and I've always been like, I wonder if you could do that with di- you can do it with fish too. Yeah. There's a guy on Instagram I follow that does um, it's like called he's like called the dry age fish guy. Like really? that's his name, or something. It's an Asian dude, okay. and he'll take full big salmon fillets or full tuna fillets, and he has dry age for like beef steaks, but he hangs full flanks. Like of fillets of fish in these dry age, and he'll he'll cook them like six month dry age really? fish, and I'm like, man, beef fish, you get other than like maybe chicken, I guess, or like, well, but you know, maybe you could dry age. Yeah, I think you could dry age anything, yeah. and I know you're a big duck hunter. Next time you shoot a big fat mallard, put them in your fridge mm-hmm. for a week. I've let them go two weeks. A lot of times after I shoot ducks, I'll put them in the fridge and just a week later, I'll get them out. Not gutted, not plucked or anything. Yep. A week later, pull them out, pluck them. And, and it's so, I mean, it makes a difference. It makes a nice, tender, especially duck. You know, I, I like to cook that medium rare anyways, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I made, I shot, we shot those gavels last year. I made them um, on the smoker. And I, because it's a, one of those pellet smokers, I could make. I used to have the barrel smoker, and I switched over to the dark side, and I got this pellet smoker like a loser. And I'm I'm out there with like a exact temperature, and I'm I'm putting the thermometer in there, and then it gets exactly. I can't remember what what it said online. I was like, what should I cook? It got exactly there, and I pulled it, and Chris and Josh were over, and I sliced it up and laid it out medium rare, and we ate it, and I was like, oh. It, it was the best duck I'd ever made. And I, yeah. I made goose that night, too. It was turned out really good. But, like, I'll teriyaki some goose and make it real good. Yeah. This duck I had never tried to make full breast skin on. I done full breast skin on, but I've never done it on, like, a exact temperature okay. on a pellet smoker. And when I did, it was like, yeah. <laughs> every piece we took, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, sometimes you get ducks, like, ah. It's it's good. It's good when it's good. I feel like it's easy to mess up too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's like in in a thirty second span, you can ruin if you're too hot for thirty seconds, you'll ruin like a duck breast or, or whatever. But anyway, so I want to hop back into the dogs. So what do you? What is like the future for the dog? Like, do you think that looking out five years from now, do you think you guys will be dropping dogs out of a box and? West Virginia, <laughs> like <laughs> looking for bears. Like, is it going to change? You think it'll it'll progress? You know, or or what? Um, actually, me and another buddy of mine have talked about the logistics of running some bear hounds, and honestly, it just wouldn't work for us here because, like I said earlier, you you gotta you gotta put the work in with them. You know, you gotta run them a lot, and you can't do that in Maryland. You're not, you're I mean, you're physically not allowed to run bears in Maryland. Um, so, you know, it just, bear hounds would be awesome if I lived somewhere where we could do it. Yeah. I would definitely do it. But the coon dogs, they're, they're here to stay. I mean, I take my girls, my oldest daughter is, um, eight and then the set, the middle one's five. They go with me all the time. They love it. We actually took the baby with us, uh, (laughs) last week and my wife, we all went to the woods together. So it's, it's cool. Coon hunting is really cool in that way because, you can take somebody who's never been hunting before, kids, and, you know, they can walk along with you. And, you know, only one guy's carrying a gun anyways. You know, so if I got my hunting license, I can 
take whoever I want. And everybody else can go along. Right. And be there and experience that. And, you know, it's just, uh, I wish I would have got back into it sooner. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's great. Not, I don't see it going anywhere. What do you think? It ain't going anywhere for me. I tell you that. I mean, yeah. as long as we're allowed to do it. And that's the other thing. That's, they're, they're always that up. Yeah. People do not, some people do not like people hunting with dogs. They'll tell you it's not fair chase. They'll tell you that, you know, oh, it's inhumane to use dogs to hunt. And it's like, you, you don't yeah, understand. Say it's cruel to the dog. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, you find out somebody has an outside dog or, or doesn't, right. or their dog doesn't look like a couch potato. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't feed his dogs or that dog doesn't get loved. Let me tell you something. I love my dog with all my heart. And I give that dog every bit of the best thing I can do for it. But that dog's going to go out and do its job. And I expect that of a dog. It better do its job, but it, you're going to get taken care of. It's, it, and some people don't want to hear it, but you almost got to think of them as a, a sort of a, I hate to say it because some people don't like it, but a tool. I mean, it's, a, it's a tool, yeah. yeah. It's a good a dog on the ground worth three in a saddle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but people don't like that. And then in some places, our, our rights to hunt with dogs are under attack. And they, I'm, they I'm really hoping are. it doesn't happen I, here. I did, that, I did that podcast with, this was a while ago, the guy who killed... <clears throat> Uh, in Virginia, below like Richmond, where you can still run dogs in the swamps, uh, with a shotgun in a dog county, they killed, he killed like a 224 total inch uh, deer. And I had him on the on a podcast and we, we talked about dog hunting deer and I had okay. never, I had never known anything about it. I knew that people used to do it in Virginia, like in the mountains where I hunted a long time ago. And but I didn't know anything about it, and then we talked about it. And I, he invited me down, and I just, I got too busy last year, and I couldn't make it. But you know, I learned so much on that podcast, and I have no problem with people hunting with dogs. Um, I have no problem with a, a dog getting loose and getting loose from a group of hunters, and and going past my house. I don't give a shit. Like whatever, he, he's here, he's there, he's gone. Whatever. Yeah, doesn't bother me any, but. I understand why it bothers other people. I do understand that. It's it, it's very from what I talked to him because especially deer dogs because a coon dog nope there aren't coon hunters that aren't normally dog coon hunters. Just right. like there are but there aren't normally. It's way less common. Yeah. Just just like just like bear it's hunting also way less cool. Way, it, way less cool. Bear hunting is like what bear hunting most people who religiously harvest bears or tree bears have dogs or you know whatever so that but deer hunting was a different level it was like and i understood where both sides were because he would say like stand hunters or he he would he'd call them still hunters but actually other areas of the u.s call still hunters like guys that aren't in stands guys that like that's what I think of. Yeah, like yeah. move. Yeah. You move, but you Sneak stop. The woods. You're yeah. sneaking. Yeah. Sneak That's hunting. what I think is still hunting, but he called still hunters people who like sit in a tree. Yeah. They're still. So they're sitting yeah. in it, which made more sense. And I probably am an idiot. <laughs> but anyway, so he's, but he's laying it all out. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I understand both aspects because their season, when they were like during their season is the rut part of it. And I'm like, if it was November 20th, I'm in my tree stand and your dogs run a buck past me. Like I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. But at the same rate, it's like, I understand that as long as they're allowed to do it, they're allowed to do it. And that's what they do. It's their heritage. But 
So I don't know. I understand it's like a double-edged sword. It is. It is. And a lot of hound hunters are attacked not only from non-hunters, but from hunters also. Yes. It's, you know, there's there's a lot of people that aren't a fan of it. But really, I mean, I feel like, you know, whatever you like to hunt, however you like to hunt it, if you're a hunter, we need to stick together because it's, it's, you know, I see it being hard enough to hold on to those rights. And, um, I wanted to touch on too, since we got into that a little bit, um, you know, we have a lot of properties where we hunt and we're very grateful for everybody allows us to hunt. Most of the properties where we can't run the dogs during deer season. So it pretty much means from September to like January. That makes sense. We're shot out of those it. spots. I get it. Yeah. And I get it. And, and, and it's the land they own it. They can do what they want. And I got no problem with it. Yep. But um, I wanted to touch on a study that um, South Carolina DNR did with Clemson University. And they radio collared um, deer. I and they forget, ran dogs through. I forget right. the exact number of deer. Um, but they ran coonhounds in there at night. Um, I don't know how long the study went on. But anyways, they found that there was zero change in the deer's nighttime or daytime activity. And then they also did it with deer dogs, the dogs were, that were actually running the deer. And they found that um, I think over 50% of the deer returned to that exact spot within 24 hours, and the remaining 50% returned within 48 hours. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine. I, I foresee that. Whereas, like, I know Kelly Seal has posted it on Facebook. Every once a month, he'll post a video of coon hunters or bear hunters, like, in the dark coming up on a like a big buck or something yeah and he's 30 yards away staring at their flashlights or the headlamps it's like i and then he he's on your guys's side where it's like stop worrying about but kelly is a little bit of a spitfire but it's like (laughs) stop worrying about like what you know what we're doing with these dogs is you know and i and i get it it doesn't that doesn't bother me but i but there again you you said it like you understand why and so do i and i if it if the sport can continue to thrive, I think the deer hunting aspect, it already has died in most areas. Yeah. And I think it will continue to get pushed and pushed until it's gone. You're saying the deer dog, the deer dog yeah. aspect, but I, maybe it won't be completely gone and I hope it's not, but I can see where people get like, you know, how people aren't heartfelt about a raccoon. Right. People get like dumb over deer. Like, yeah, I love the deer I shot, but I'm not dumb over deer. Well, people get there dumb are people over coon hunting because you're in their deer in spots. their deer spot exactly. Yeah, so so if it's if it's April and you're running a uh, and they don't turkey hunt and you're running your dog, it's like, all right, well as long as long as it's not October 18th, like right, you know, what I, mean? I can't leave my dog in the kennel no. from September to January. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, yeah. we, and we do, or we then have, your dog would look like their dog that's just on the couch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but uh, we have we're lucky that we have plenty of spots. We can still have spots we can run, you know, when it's deer season. But right. and you know, I don't try to convince anybody. It's their land. Yeah, they and, can do what they for want. For sure. And it's part of the biggest thing of this also is any hunting is landowner relationships with hunters. Right. You don't want to upset nobody. It's their rule. You listen to it. If you're, yeah. they're lucky enough, they give you permission. You should be lucky and, and do what you can do. But I think all we're saying here is that we've seen that more than once you hear somebody say, oh, yeah, I'll let you come here and run, but I got some deer in here. I don't want them gone. Yeah. I don't want you in here during rifle season. And 
that's he talks about that study. Well, we hunt by, again behind my house, and I let that dog back there, and he goes usually the same way. It's a creek, and there's land on the other side. I cut him. He goes across. There is the same group of five, six, seven deer in the same spot every night I go in there. And when my dog goes in there, my dog's not running them. He better not run them deer. Yeah. But he doesn't. He doesn't run deer. And because he doesn't, those deer don't even care. I've seen him go right by them deer. Them deer kind of look. They'll look at you. You have your light on. You keep on going. Them deer stay. If he does bump them, they come right. They've been back in there the same night that he bumped them because he's not going after them. He's not doing anything with them. He's going to go find that coon. He doesn't care about them deer. You guys throw them in the throw your puppies in the tumblers. You throw them in them hide tumblers. You know, we never have one that would run a deer. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know that was like an old school thing, like back in the day. Yeah. Old you, school works, but we haven't had to do it. You, you throw them in a barrel and beat the shit out of them with a deer hide, <laughs> like that. No, yeah. no. Your coon. We had to mess with that, but you know, sometimes they like to treat a possum. Or when, when the dogs treat possums, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't dogs, know why they would. They're nasty. I wish they wouldn't. I wish they wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nothing like walking in freaking six, 700 yards into what you think is a coon. Next thing you know, you look up, there's a possum about six feet off the ground on a little freaking sapling. They don't do it often. They don't do it often that. at all. They don't all. do it often. And I will admit, my They're dog- pretty good coon dogs. Yeah, my, my dog, he'll do it. He, he just started doing it, but he's coming into himself. But that's, here's a smart dog. He's like, wait, you got to do it? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start doing it, dude. Yeah. He definitely, there's definitely a, there's definitely a, a an issue with that with me because that dog's supposed to run coon scent. Yeah, I mean your dog's a night champion, and you go to night, you're in champion class hunts. You treat a possum, you're done. you're done, you're scratching you're the hunt. So in the long run, if you want your dog to do it, so they have to have. You gotta get on about it. Yeah, you yeah. can't let them can't let them do what they're not supposed to, and that comes down to the training aspect as a yeah. handler and, and a trainer. You got to know what's what and how much is enough and how much isn't. Right. And you want to, you don't want to mistreat your dog at all, but yeah. you need to, there need to be consequences for things they're not doing right. Yeah. Just like trees. And just like my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put them outside. I won't feed them for a day. Oh. Like oh, I'm, I'm the same I'm way. I'm feeding my dog, but he might not like me when he's back to the kennel. I'm yeah. a possum. Yeah. Uh, all right. So before we hop off here, like what's, what does the future just this year, like, what deems success this year for the rest of 2023 for you guys with your dogs? Like, what do you, what do you look at? Cause I always set goals no matter what the year is like. And so I, I always have hunting goals. And so like what deems success as a goal for you guys this year? I mean, I know you're training up your dog here. And so what's, what's, what does success after 2023 look like? Or maybe after the quote unquote season, like after February or I don't know when does, when does kill season go out? So the kill season goes out March 15th, but we, we're still walking okay. through the summer. Yeah, we've um, all year long. Honestly, the fun part isn't shooting the coons anyways. Yeah. Um, it's running the dog. But for me, um, I'm looking to put four more cast wins on my dog to make her a night champion. That's my four-year-old. And then I'm going to be looking to these puppies. I got two puppies out of her at the house. So I'm really excited to get them in the woods and get them going, see what they can do. I'm just really, like you said, that young dog, I really want to see what he's going to do. I mean, I want to see whether or not he's, he's already shown me he's going to make a good dog. I mean, is he going to be a world-class competition dog? Maybe not. Maybe so. I don't know yet, but I'd like to see him finished out this year. I think I'll know what I got after this kill season. I'd like to get him into some competition hunts. I mean, like I say, I've missed a few this year already. That I'd have him in. Just I mean, you never know. He's good enough that he could win in a local hunt. 
you also couldn't. It's a whole lot of a lot of it's luck. A lot yeah. of it's it's everything. All the cards line up in your favor that night. You know what I mean? Yeah. To to get like a like the single win or or whatever. But if if you want to line up like a good like a dog that you know you're when you show up you like you get out of the truck and everybody's like shit. Yeah. Like yeah. when you got that <laughs> dog, like that. you need that dog to know that you're gonna be that good. Like, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah we we've hunted with the yeah. Sire of these puppies is is that he's that guy. Yeah, he's, he's that guy. You hear about people that say, "Oh, Dane's coming. Uh, maybe I won't hunt that late class." Or yeah. you know, you know, you know what I mean. Like it's just it's <laughs> there's some good dogs out there. But they all have their bad days, you know. Yeah, what I mean? every dog. Yeah. I don't care if you have the best coon dog in the world. You listen to other podcasts sometimes about these guys that run or handle world class dogs. They're not always world class dogs, but but the fact is that the higher percent of the chance they are is the better dog they are. A lot of winning coon hunts is, is the handler, too. Yeah. There's a lot of rules, and it pays to know them because you can use them to your advantage, really. Right. Uh, almost like throwing a pen or throwing a like a flag against a penalty. If you're an NFL, if you know them, like, yep. then you can double back on stuff. So. Put the pound on that dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, I, th I think I, I appreciate you guys coming on, and I think that everything you guys have have told me and told everybody else is a, a wealth of knowledge. I because nobody knows about it, you know. This is something, and I hope it opens up some people's minds because it really, like I said, I learned a bunch today, and I, uh, I really appreciate it. I, it feels like I had Walker Woods on who, who trains dogs up here. He trains hunting dogs, and uh, but all types. I mean, anything from uh, a duck dog to an upland dog, you know, and everything in between. But you know, when he takes out his grouse dogs, that's. That's a different thing for me. You know what? I I feel like more drawn to things I don't know. Yeah. Uh, especially in the hunting world because I've I've hunted for so long, I know so much. And it's like when I when I find something I don't know, it's like that, you know, I really want to know. So with coons, I think it's really cool and same with the grouse, I'm like soaking it in cuz I'm like, man, this is that's super cool. Like got who who even hunts grouse let alone uses a dog for it so it's the same with coons you know nobody really does anymore trapping has died off and uh what you guys do is is important yeah when you are killing it is important because nobody traps anymore so especially coons nobody even wants coons anymore oh there's coyotes around well guess what the coons are still tearing up turkeys yep. so it's you know it's yeah, it's, uh, it's all an important piece of the puzzle, really. Yeah. Yep. As any part of it, it's it's managing the, the wildlife. I mean, you can't just let coons run wild. Just because they're not worth anything, you start having all these raccoons on a property. and Yeah, that's an animal. A lot of, and all of a sudden, my trash bag's 50 yards away. Exactly. <laughs> getting molested every night. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. Oh, well. All right, well, I appreciate you guys coming on. I think everybody enjoyed it. Thank you guys a lot. See you, everybody. Sup, guys? Mike here. Hey, on this episode, Garrett Martin and Taylor Snyder come in to the podcast studio. We're talking about raccoon hunting uh, on this podcast. This is something that I really wanted to dive into. Um, it's something that I didn't know much about, and so I wanted to have the guys on. These guys, this is damn near nowadays all they do. Um they spend a ton of time with their dogs, uh, training these dogs up, feeding them right. 
uh, getting these dogs ready. And uh, they hunt these dogs all the time, all year long. These dogs are certified raccoon wranglers. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Um, I do want to let everybody know um, this podcast, the first podcast since I did it, uh, Monday, November 6th, uh, I did kill a real big buck uh, here at home. Um, and really cool hunt off the ground. I'm going to, I'm going to get into this hunt a little more in the future, but it might be a little bit, obviously we do bi-weekly podcasts, so it might be a little bit. So I want to go ahead and tell everybody what happened before this podcast starts up. Um, if anybody was wondering, um, Sunday morning, November 5th, before we went to a Ravens game, I watched this buck and a, and a smaller, but a nice eight point pushing some does around behind our house uh, right before we left to go down to Baltimore to the, the Ravens game. And so Monday morning, um, I kind of knew this little spot right here by the house. I was 50 yards from the side of my house. Um, and this spot where this buck had come through the day before, I set up there on the ground with my bow. Um, I was I was tucked in. There's a tree that's all gnarly. Um, it like three different sections of the the tree come up and they, they were all laid over. And um I was tucked in behind a log. I had a doe and and two young, uh two young ones, one button buck, um within five yards of me, uh feeding around and I I stayed hunkered down best I could. They didn't they never caught me. They kind of fed off, you know, they moved off to one side and um I don't know, probably 20 minutes later, um, out of the blue, just here comes barreling across the road by my house, this doe and this buck. And uh, the doe, I'm watching underneath the log, the doe's legs go by. The buck, I see his legs stop. I go to peek my head up. I turn my head up to the air, and he's so close that all I can see is his rack but he must see the top of my head where my beanie was at. And, um, he, I saw his rack turn and look at me and then he like his rack turns back forward. Uh, he makes his way around this cluster of trees quartering away from me. And as he's making his way around the tree, I got up on my knee, drew back and he stopped and looked back at me at about five yards. And I, uh, I squeezed off and made a really good shot on him. Um, heart, and then uh, through the through double lung, uh, just where he was standing, I was shooting up at him a little bit, heart and double lung, and uh, made a great shot. He trotted off about twenty yards, turned back and looked at me, and then I seen him turn and barrel through uh, a raspberry patch, and he he balled up another ten yards away. So um, that was the gist of the story. But I'll uh, I'll get into it later with the guys. Uh, we'll do a podcast. I really get into it. I will talk about this year later on this year, um, but you'll have it. Um, so I want to let everybody know, obviously, podcast is sponsored by Swamp Stick. We always use Swamp Stick. Um, M-A-M-P-10 at checkout. That'll get you 10% off from Mountain and Marsh. And uh, Sean and the guys over there do a great job. I love the Swamp Stick. I use mine all the time. I keep that thing with me all the time. I use it for many different things. And the Trip Tech Multi-Tool uh, guys, check them out, triptychmultitool.com. 
Um, it's a dispatch tool that isn't like the finisher. I mean, this thing isn't powdered metal that's coated and painted to look like the American flag. This is the real deal. It's just a stainless steel uh, piece of machine metal that has, as the name implies, it is a multi-tool. It has multiple different uses, woodcock hunting, pheasant hunting, uh, duck hunting, goose hunting, everything. Uh, it has many uses, uh, measures different things. It, it's got a pin on the back of it for ejecting shells that are stuck. I mean, the thing's sweet. It's a really sweet little tool to keep and it, it's small fits away on your lanyard or on your zipper or, or whatever. Um, really sweet thing. So triptic multi-tool. Um, hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Thank you to Garrett and Taylor for doing this podcast. This is a really, really informative podcast. I learned a ton. I hope you guys do too. Thanks, guys.